Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks podcast. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest, but before I introduce them to you, I want to ask that you please like and subscribe below. That way, we can continue to bring you these incredible stories, and if you're already liked and subscribed to our channel, we thank you for all of your support. On today's episode, I have Elliot Marshall. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this story. This was actually referred to me by a mutual friend of ours, Jake Bell. We got to give Jake a shout out. I look up Elliot Marshall and I'm like, I must get Elliot Marshall on my show. So Elliot, thank you for being here with us today. Man, I'm, uh, I appreciate it. And the only thing I would say is uh, I'm just a regular dude that, that wakes up and tries to go about my day just like everyone else, you know? So I appreciate the, the graciousness. Well, all the stuff on the internet doesn't quite add up to I'm just a regular guy, but we'll get into that. We'll see how regular you really the internet are. internet lies sometimes, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a professional mixed martial artist, man, and uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the whole black belt, the whole nine yards in the UFC – this is big time stuff. Uh, you fought in the octagon that people see on TV, um, which means you're good, means you're really good at what you do. The story, though, is what just absolutely captivated me. But I want to go to March 19th, 2011. That story changed my life, and I know it's going to change another. <sighs> so March 19th. So I, I guess the story starts a little bit before March 19th, right? It starts 10 days or 11 days before when I get this phone call uh, that I'm back in the UFC, <laughs> right? Like, so because I got, I had gotten released and went out and I won three fights and I got myself back with this phone call. And normally what you would like is a full camp, right? You would like six to eight weeks to prepare, um, but when the UFC calls and says they're going to bring you back, you say, yes, I'm um, right now. And I was ready. I, I, was, I wasn't not in shape, right? But there's a, another piece to fighting. It's getting your mind prepared to fight, especially, uh, I would say, for someone like me, who my mind was the weakest part throughout my whole professional fight career. My mind was the weakest part, more so than any skill set, I would, I would say. Um, so I get the call. You don't really even do much more training because like you stop training normally at the seven day mark, right? Seven days out, you stop training, right? You just, you know, recover, lose weight, yada, yada, things like that. Right. Um, so I, I train, I don't know, three days, right? Like I, I did some work for three days, but you don't even want to go hard. Cause like the first week of training, when you go really, really hard, like you, you, you're all beat up. So you don't want to do that. Um, so yeah. I just get ready to fight, fit, you know, show up to New Jersey and stop sleeping. Just stop, you know, that Tuesday. And then just don't sleep until I, I finally got some sleep again on uh, Friday night, the night before the fight. Like my wife came, you know, she came to the, the hotel that night and that calmed me down and, and I got some sleep that night. Um, fight comes and, you know. You just quit on yourself. I mean, like the coward of me showed, 
right? For so many reasons. And, and to say that the, the coward is not there in all of us would be a lie, right? Like that, that piece of us exists. And if we, if, if we want to not admit, like uh, I'm a male, so if I want to not admit him, you know, and say that he doesn't exist, uh, you'd be lying. I, like that, that's how you end up like me with the coward showing up and you don't know why the coward's showing up. And then like, you know, in the TED talk, I fast forward to the next fight where I'm in the room crying, right? Because I'm not so scared about the fight. I'm scared more about this coward that showed up the last time. I'm scared he's going to be the one that shows up again. I don't know why he showed up the first time. I don't know why he, uh, is he going to show up again? Right? This, and, and I know you're like, you're like, Ellie, it's an oxymoron. You walked into a cage and got into a fight with another man with 2 million people watching. Like, that's right. not cowardly. But if you were in my brain, it was cowardly right? If you were, if you were the one who was in the cage fighting and, and knowing the thoughts that were going on in my head, it was cowardly. It wasn't warrior-ish is what I would say. You know, you, you'd meant, you'd made a comment that I'd heard on some other stuff that every time you walked into that octagon, though, there was a, there was a fear. Oh, yeah. And you, and you believe that most do have that. Oh, everyone. There's no one without it. I've walked to the, I've walked to a fucking cage or an octa. I'm sorry if I cursed my bad. No, you're good. Okay. I've walked to a cage to get into a fight with either me or somebody else probably a thousand times now, you know, like, yeah, I've never not seen somebody scared. They, they hide it differently. Like Conor McGregor looks, looks a certain way. And like, if you watch TJ Dillashaw, you know, jumping up and like, he looks a certain way. DC runs to the cage. You know, like, if that's just how they deal with this fear that's inside of them. But yeah, but I would say the difference between those guys outside of, outside of the UFC titles, you know, um, and me was uh, they're admitting their fear and they, they are, they're aware that it's there and they go, this is how I deal with my fear rather than deny the fear. I watch MMA all the time and I watch those guys and I, I would often sit there and think, Man, I wish I had that lack of fear. And then when you said that, I'm like, holy shit, it's the same thing. Okay. Fear. Can I, I'm going to ask you some questions, right? Like the, the, these, the, this fear thing. What does it physically feel like? What does fear and nervousness physically feel like? What does it feel like in your stomach? Yeah, you just get that uneasiness. How about your hands? What do your hands do? Yeah, if it gets real bad, they start tingling. Right, and what do your legs do? Kind of start shaking and wobbly. Okay, so let's go. I'm going to switch emotions now, right? Because one emotion slash feeling was fear that we just talked about. Really, really excited. What happens in your stomach? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you don't feel like eating. You lose your appetite. It's tingly. Tingly. What's going on? Yeah. What happens with your hands? Tingly. The thing is fear. How about your legs? Same thing. So what you're telling me then is that the physical sensations of fear and excitement are the exact same. So what's the difference? The difference must be what's going on upstairs. Because something weird happens with my hands, my stomach feels weird, and my legs feel weird, and my breathing gets shortened. Either way, either way. Fear, one end of the spectrum. Exciting, the other end of the spectrum. Same physical sensations. The only difference is the thoughts that are going on in your mind. Love it. The thoughts that are going on in your mind for about the event that's about to happen. So it must be then just an illusion. 
Well, you're the best guy to tell us this because you got another fight that came up. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I was crying. Like, I was in my hotel room bawling. And it was just me and my wife. And she'd never seen me like this, right? And she's like, fuck. Let's go. Like, holy cow, this person can't fight. <laughs> you know? So she looks at me and she goes, hey, so you're here. You made weight. Like, you fights in three hours. Why don't you, like, uh, go in there, get hit with the first punch, fall down, and just be done? Because, I mean, if you do that, you're going to get $30,000, right? You won't, you won't have the extra, you know, it was 20 and 20 or something, right? 20 to show up, 20 to win, 10,000 in sponsorships if I made the walk. Um, so I had a guaranteed 30, but I had to get into the cage, right? She's like, so just go get the 30. Just literally first punch, boom, fall. And I was like, oh my God, that's my plan. That became the plan. That's what I was going to do. So, uh, you know, I walk into the cage and get hit with the first punch. And I just said to myself, ah, fuck it. Let's fight. Because once you start doing the activity, the fear is gone. Right? The, the yeah. fear is not real. It's just not real. You know? Um, and everybody then says, oh yeah, dude, if you're standing at the top of the Eiffel tower and you're going to jump off your, well, no, that, that's not fear. That's called survival, right. right? Like you don't jump off buildings, you die. Um, and we're, we're made to survive. So, um, but fear is something totally different. What, when, when, when you were a kid and the boogeyman, what, what was it that you were actually afraid of? You don't know. You have no clue what you are afraid of. Think about it like a fear. You can't rationalize it, right? And so just like a fight, you're just afraid of the unknown, right? You're just afraid of, oh my God, what, what's going to happen? But once it actually starts happening, there's no fear. You just fight. You just fight or you just take the test or you just you know, have the meeting or you just get a divorce if that's unfortunately where you are. The fear of the thing goes away. Because, you know, Michael Jordan said it best, fear, just like limits, are often just illusions. Yeah, there's so many things as I was thinking about, it. you know, even us starting our podcast, you know, there was this fear where, you, where we're going to get the money, how are we going to do all this stuff, how are we going to, you know, do it. But then once you just start, here you go, right? It's, it's, it's on. And a lot of that fear starts to dissipate. Maybe not all, but some. And, uh, and then that gives you some footing to, to continue to do what it is you want to do. We're going to take it into that fight, though. You, once that fight started, uh, that fear goes away, and we get to that third round. Yeah. I'm sitting on the stool in between two and three, right? And we all kind of know what's up. Like, uh, if I lose it, if I lose the fight, my career is probably done. So my coach, you know, at the time, Greg Jackson looks at me and goes, fire marshal, tell me what you got left, right? Like, what, what is it? Do you have any more? Can you give more? Because I need you to give everything, like every ounce of you, I need you to go give right now in this five minutes. And man, like, you know, those moments in your life where like, like, I, I, like if you could see my arm right now, there's goosebumps on it because I remember the moment. I remember what it was like when Greg was sitting there talking to me like, like it was yesterday, you know, uh, 
And we have these moments in our life because they're life-changing moments. And that was the first time that I ever, uh, I believe in the duality of things. I believe when one exists, the exact opposite must exist, okay? Especially in extremes. So when you fight, if you want your greatness to truly shine, it's also in the place where you can be killed as well. They both exist in the same place. So if you won't let yourself be killed, you also won't let yourself be great. So I went out there and I was able to do that for the first time in my fight career, right? To be like, okay, if I die, I die today. Like if I die in this moment, then I die. And I got to go be great. The judges didn't agree, right? I broke his arm. I busted his whole face up. You know, he didn't fight for a year because of what only what happened in that third round. You know, but man, kudos to him. He walked out with a broken arm and, and a busted up face and went to the hospital. How I lost the fight, I don't know. But, you know, that's... It took me a very long time to get good with that. You know, it took me a very long time to get good with that. But I'm definitely good with it. The fact that I lost the fight. Well, you lost it because you also beat the coward, right? I lost it because I got to discover a piece about me. Who is Elliot? Right. And this is so, and I think everything comes down to a couple of things, you know? Um, and one of those things is, do you know who you are? Like, do you truly know who you are? And what does that mean? When you say I am, those are the most important words after I love you. Like you got to love yourself first, right? It's got to just be unconditional love for you. And then after that, you must know who you are. You know what they always say? There's this old saying, it says, it's really, it's really easy to lie to other people, but it's extremely hard to lie to yourself. Can't do it. Nobody yeah. can do it. I mean, sociopaths, right? Sociopaths, right. psychopaths, like there has to be a mental disorder going on, right? So if there's, if there's a mental disorder, then yeah, sure, you can, you can do that, no problem. Um, but if there's not, the mirror, you know? mirror is the mirror bro and you can change the lighting a little bit and dim it and lighten it and we all do that like oh shit look i got an ab over here right <laughs> like, <laughs> but you can't uh, it, it's still the truth you know again when you look at you as a physical specimen you look at your your statistics and all that i mean obviously it there's truth in every fact that you're you're one of the toughest guys ever and especially when you're talking about men right we look at guys like you and Pray to God we never meet you in a bar anywhere, right? Because it's like, don't, don't get in a fight with that guy. He's going to tear you apart. But there's something that I actually felt was way tougher than probably any fight that, that I could see in an octagon. And that's when you came out and, and said, listen, man, I, I suffer from some anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. To me, when I hear that, especially from someone like yourself, it really takes you back. And you got to sit back and you got to say, oh, my God, if this guy will admit that, that's the ultimate, right? This is where healing starts. And you and I said before the show, you know, here's the payment. If we can help one person, that's our payment. But at True Talks, we try and bring the best story we possibly can. And just the whole story of that in and of itself, where a, a person finds a coward in themselves and they try and change that and make that difference. But this anxiety was real. It was the real deal. Tell us about it. So it stems back from the reason of why I fought. Okay, so I mean, you ha we have to rewind 30 years now, 40 years, on, 40 years, right to when I was to 
who it was that I was born to. I was born to an African-American dad, you know, in 1980. And so he grew up doing civil rights. Like that's his experience, right? And then my mom is the daughter of Holocaust survivors, right? And if we have to describe the atrocities of a concentration camp, then we don't have enough time, right? Like, so right. these are the people that shaped my life that I spent my time with. So you have to understand their perspective of the world was the world was not safe, right? The world is not safe, Elliot. So, every, I mean, like, dude, literally my dad still sees the world this way. I was, I mean, he's, I'm 40 years old, bro. I live in a fucking nice neighborhood, right? All that. I'm, I'm hanging up the phone with him as I'm driving my car and he goes, hey, hey, Elliot, be careful. And I was like, God damn, he's still here, right? Like he's still here as a 70 something year old man because of his experience, yeah. right? And my grandparents, man, Hitler was always coming again. Like always, always, always. And their whole life was set up to be ready for Hitler to come again. Like I kid you not, their entire life was set up so that hit, if Hitler came, we would get out, right? So you have to understand like what that experience does to a kid, but then you got to rewind the time as well. It's 1980. There, there wasn't anybody really like me, a black Jew, right? A white, half, <laughs> black, half white Jew, right? Like, like there was nobody in my town that looked like me, you know? So when we moved to this town, like my house got spray painted with swastikas and Niger's go home and all this stuff vandalized like multiple times. Like, so not only was I told this, but then, I, then it actually came true, right? Yeah. So, well, shit, then I'm not fucking safe. And no one would, I had no friends, like none, like two. I shouldn't say none, two. Uh, and like I would be allowed to go play outside with kids, but I wouldn't be allowed to go in those kids' houses because of who my parents were. That was my life, you know? Um, but I always had this martial arts thing. I always did karate. And right in between the summer of my senior and junior year of high school, um, yeah, junior and senior year of high school, I started this Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. Some of my friends showed me Brazilian jiu-jitsu because they had started. And I go back to school and, you know, I'm talking about it because, you know, whatever, you're, you're, you're st I'm still searching for acceptance in some way. And these wrestlers hear me talk about it. And I come from a really good wrestling high school. And they're like, yeah, let's get on the mat. And I get on the mat and they're state champs and I choke them out. <laughs> and then everyone's like oh shit because they were popular state champions yada yada right and i sucked at this and yada yada right like so i got a couple friends people started to like me now look that's the narrative that i tell because that's in my head i'm sure some other things happened look i lost a lot of weight in between my summer and my junior a baby fat right i was just a late bloomer so maybe that was a little bit, bit of a part of it you know Maybe, I don't know, maybe I just gained some confidence. Who fucking knows? But the narrative, the big key delineator to me was that I beat these guys up and everyone could see it. So then how did, oh, oh man, I've been searching my whole life to be loved and accepted by the world, by the outside world, so that maybe I'll be safe. So, okay, let me go. I'll, I'll, I'm going to fight in the UFC. Like those are like the next words out of my mouth. Because you could see Elliot wasn't going to make the NBA or the NFL or, or anything like that. But nobody knew what the UFC was. I just beat up the, I just choked out the two toughest kids in the school and oh, okay. But then you go through the career and you fight. And fighting doesn't lie. Right? Yeah. Not the UFC champion. But every fight I was fighting for love and acceptance from the outside world. I wasn't fighting for the pure pureness and trueness of fighting. 
right? Like that, that, that true martial art reason to fight. I was fighting for safety, security, so that people would just be nice to me in my mind. It crumbled, right? And then I build my business right away. But I never dealt with this devil, right? This devil of like, people don't love you, Elliot, right? And the only way they will is if you're the best, if you're the toughest, if you're physically. And then it, you know, then, it, you know, in 2016, March of 2016, maybe late February, we come back from a vacation from Hawaii. Look, I got a great life, man. Like my businesses are successful. I got two great kids at this point, married. Like I'm, I'm coming back from Maui, two weeks in Maui. Uh, should be just a little jet lag, but, you know, a little jet lag turned into massive insomnia, massive insomnia, massive panic attacks where I'm just having panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. And uh, that led to a nine-month mental breakdown slash spiritual awakening. You know, that uh, I couldn't be now more thankful for. Didn't have, like, you know, like on, on the back, I won't, I'll, I'll never say I'm on the back end of anything, right? Because uh, we don't know what the, we, we don't know what anything is, right? Like, all, all I know is that right now in this moment, I'm sitting here talking to you, Mitch, you know? And, and so I better do that as most skillfully as possible. So am I on the back end of one? No, I have had some experiences now in my life that have, uh, you know, helped me out. No, nobody's a luckier dude than me. Nobody in, in the whole world is a luckier dude than me. Mm. And I know people hate that word, <laughs> you know, luck, like luck, you know, like, they're like, no, man, I, I did it. I worked hard. Man, motherfucker, you were lucky enough to be able to work really hard. Yeah. You know, you were lucky enough because there's, there's people, man, you're telling me that there's not somebody in India right now, in Africa right now, in Afghanistan right now, that's not working 10 times as hard as you and I are just to have a cup of water, right? So you, yeah. you, you, we know that there's millions and billions of people like that. We know that half the population of the planet doesn't have a place to live like a roof over their head. So the amount of work that they got to do just to stay alive is incredible, right? It's incredible. So I don't want to get into this hard work thing and I deserve thing. It's luck because I was born to two parents who love each other still to this day, who, are, who, who provided everything that they possibly could for me. And I was born in America. I had nothing to do with that. Not a single thing. Love it. So, Man. you know, I was it, lucky enough to work. How, how did that experience when you got back from Maui, where, where did that shape you? What did it do? Dude, well, first it ended me up on a month, uh, you know, like, so at the end, uh, you know, at the end of the first week, it was really bad. I, I just, I mean, really bad. And look, we're, we're going to talk more about luck here. My doctor is also one of my best friends. So on a Friday at five o'clock, I call him. And he immediately gets to taking care of me immediately, you know, with, with medical help. Um, what percentage of the planet can call their doctor and get an appointment next week, next week, let alone have their doctor answer the phone personally at five o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah. That that's right. That's not many of us, you know, all, we all have a best, we all have great friends, 
But I luckily have a friend like that. I got three of them. So if he didn't answer the phone, I, I could call another one. You know, this is the power of jujitsu, homie. That's right. <laughs> like you, you meet, you, you get some, you get some great uh, people in your life. Um, I immediately, I, I had the financial means to go to therapy two times a week if I needed. You know, when when, when it got worse, and and I had great friends, man. I had great, great friends that would literally just stay up all night with me while I panic attacked and cried sometimes. And they would just, sometimes they would talk and I would just fall out. Like they would like, I call it sing me a lullaby, but they were just talking and I would fall out and that would put me to sleep. You know, and God, I mean, again, now you see why I wanted you on the show. Do you see, are you hearing yourself, you hear your own story? I've, man, this is, this is, this is everybody's story though, in some way. I agree. I want everyone to know that it's okay to have the story right? It's okay to have the story. Um, and, and you, and, and the problem is, is, is for some reason here, there, ABC, we think we're not enough, right? And I don't know what that means to be enough. What I know is I'm enough for this very moment. And that's all I have to be enough for. I don't have to be enough for in five minutes, because I don't know what five minutes looks like. None of us do, right? None of us know what five minutes looks like. I'll deal with five minutes when we get to the five minute mark. But in this moment, I'm enough. And that, and that is just so amazing because now I'm thinking back of all these fights that I've watched over the years, and it's that five minutes. Yeah, you don't know. You're, you're, in, that first, you're in the first round. You don't know what the third one looks like. You got to fight through the first one to get to the second, the second to get to the third. You know what day was really good in my life? February 6, 2020. You know what day really sucked in my life? February 13th, 2020, February 6th, we were like this, climbing the schools, climbing. You know what happened on February 13th? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, March 13th. So it was March. They fucking shut everything down and made us close for two months. COVID. Yeah. Who the fuck saw that coming? <laughs> not us. Nobody. Nobody in the whole world. Nobody's seen a global pandemic before. And I'm not trying to get into the politics of COVID. I don't want to touch that. Um, so who saw that coming? Right. Like, oh, my God. So you don't know what one week looks like to the next week. That also means you don't know what one minute looks like to the next week. So are you doing this minute? Are you enough in this minute? That answer is always yes. Because you, me, every single buddy that's ever suffered, that's ever had a bad day. The only thing that you haven't failed at, bro, is you have not failed at making it through a bad day. You're 100 percent that. Name me Man. one other thing you're 100 percent at. You got, you got kids? Yes, three. Never fuck up being a dad? Never. Never? Oh, I did. <laughs> I'm kidding. Every right? day, man, every day. I don't know right? in the next five minutes if I'm going to. Right. We, we fail at everything else. At everything else we fail at. But if you can go like this, you've never failed at it. So just do it again. Just take a fucking breath. Take a breath. And that's all you got to do. That's all you got to yeah. do. And if you need to take another one, you take another one. And then you ask yourself a real, real important question. Who am I? Come back to it a couple times. I'm a father. I am a teacher. I am a student. I am a leader. I am a fighter. I am a survivor. And all of those things together make me enough. The question that I have for everyone listening, I would like you to find a place when one of those, at one moment, when something that I just said, who am I, is not true. 
tell me when in the in the universe it won't be true when i die nope i'll still be my kid's father mm -hmm. there will somebody that will be alive that will still consider me that i will have been their teacher when i was alive so they're actually these things that i like to call neutral right so that what it does now is it frees me from the events of my day the skillful or the unskillful when i do something really skillful do i get too high nope why because it doesn't change who i am if i make 10 million dollars will it matter nope why because it, it doesn't make me better at any of those things it doesn't make me more skillful at any of those things and those are the only things that really matter right um when i do something really unskillful how about then do i i mean like look i can learn from them they just all it all becomes knowledge but again it doesn't like when i lose a fight it doesn't this is all i work on with my fighters it gives you space between an event and you so you don't attach the event to you good or bad good or bad skillful or unskillful so now you can just take all these events that happen in our lives and we can just use them as knowledge we can just go oh okay that was skillful do more okay that was unskillful do do the op do do the other way oh you become the best what's the goal more skill oh you're the worst what's the goal more skill so the goal never changes the north star the thing you're pointing at never changes more skill but it's going to fuck with you if you don't know who you are. So true. Nothing could be. I know you're a smart guy. You have a degree in mathematics, but I think you missed your calling, man. No, I don't do math. I don't fucking <laughs> touch math, bro. You go on my Instagram right now, all the shit I put out, I don't fucking talk about math. I leave that to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right? <laughs> he puts all the, like, you know, he makes those shows, The Cosmos and all. I can't do that. Right? <laughs> I talk about this. You know, I talk about this, how you can touch a human life, how you can make, look, I don't know. This is how I made my life more skillful. This is how I make my life more skillful. Do I know I'm right? I don't, I don't, but I don't have any real concern with being right. I only have concern with, does it work? If it works for me. Okay. If it works for me. Okay. What's my purpose in the world? This is my passion, right? I know what my passion is. I know what my power is, right? Like my passion is martial arts. My power is this voice that I have, right? Like, you know, that, that I can empower, you know, and when I combine the two of them, that becomes my purpose. So when you find your passion and then you get your power and then you add them together, you get your purpose. What do you do with your purpose? You go give it away. You give it away. You become unconcerned with who's going to pay you for it, right? Like we talked about it, right? I don't, I don't need to get paid. I'm, I am so rich, bro. I am so rich and it has nothing to do with the green dollars or crypto, right? Like all it has right. to do with, you know, um, all it has to do with is did I get to touch a life? Yeah. I got to touch a life. You can't tell me that. You, you change the world, you change the universe one life at a time. Like the universe will never be the same because of you. That is so much wealth that has nothing that you can't take from me. I can't lose it. Right. And so much power. I mean, th this is exactly why we developed True Talks is to bring guys like you on to tell these stories. And I can't even tell you how many of these stories that people write in their comments. And we literally have changed their life by telling the story of someone else who went through something. And it, and you remember when we talked back about that, that anxiousness or that also the difference between fear and, and excitement, right? It's, um, 
you know, there, there will be a, a time or two where somebody may make a negative comment, but the most of them are all positive. You still find yourself falling in, why did that one person say something negative, right? But then you hold on to all that positive type of stuff, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and then you get more and more and more, and you're dead on, man. It's so fulfilling. Uh, I forward you some emails, bro, of people just destroying me about how I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I got plenty, bro. You know, I got plenty. So, but like, have you noticed that they do it on email and not in person? <laughs> yeah, it, it's all good. I, I, uh, I really try to just look at and look at what they're saying, you know, and, and detach the message from the messenger. And be like, yeah. okay, well, did I do that? Did I do that? And did it have that impact? Okay. Can I be more skillful? God, I love it. You know, because it might be true. Right. It might be true. And I know sometimes I sound a little woo soft here. Like, please don't think that I believe in like microaggressions or that like the way out is, is equalizing out outcomes. You know, like I said earlier, like, man, I, my dad's black, you know, my dad's black. So, I mean, I've seen plenty of racism in my life. Right. I've been in the cars when my dad's been pulled over, you know, I mean, probably 10 times for just checking, you know. So is it a problem? Yes, it's, it's a problem. Do we need to fix it? Yes, we need to fix it. Am I ever going to tell a young black male, if he's asking me what's the way out, to be like, oh, man, I don't know what the way is out is because, because racism exists and you're fucked. Then no, I will never say that. Fucking never. I will be like, yeah, you do have to work 10 times harder. It is unfair, but guess what? Fuck it. Do it. Because you only oh, get one yeah. shot at this life. You only get one shot at this life. And if you're going to blame somebody else for what happened to you in your life, you are dropping the goddamn ball. Everything in life is up to you. God, thank you so much for saying that. You know, I recently take some heat on this, and, and it didn't necessarily have to do exactly that. But I'm like, listen, everybody's got a mountain to climb. And just because yours is twice as high, who gives a shit? You still have to climb that mountain. Now, look, for me, right, I said I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a black minority, right? I'm a, I'm a minority in almost every way except gay. I'm not gay. Right. You know? um, but it, it, if I was, okay, great, good, good who cares, you know? Um, it doesn't it, – it matters, you know? It matters, but the way out is not in blaming. But me, Elliot, I've made it out, right? I, I've made it out. So my job now is to go create more opportunity for other people to make it out. Right. Like as a society, as a whole, my job is to be like, OK, yeah, we need as a society to work on this problem. A hundred percent, without a doubt. If you want to deny it, well, we've got bigger problems. OK, but as a society, we need to work on our issues. But telling the person who's in the space of, of, of that uh, unfairness that it's unfair. What do you. What, what, what good is that going to do? What do you tell your kid when the ref misses the call in a sports game? Yeah. What do you tell him? Oh, God, man, you would have won that game if it weren't for that ref. What, where does that leave them? Yeah. Where does that leave them? You're a victim. You're a victim. And now you'll be a victim for the rest of your fucking life. And that's what we're creating a little bit. We're creating this, these victims. And we got to create victors, man. Listening to you speak, it just literally touched me like, like um, it, it's one of those moments that you soak in and you're like, okay, I am absolutely changed as a result of listening to this person. I and, hope I am too. 
you know, I hope I am too. I hope this conversation helped. Like it, it, it helps me too. Right. It makes me go, okay, yes, I believe in this even more. Yeah. And it's, it's just all there. And so I like to, we, we talk about these segments and, you know, again, we, we don't pay anybody any of this kind of stuff. We, we run the stories that we know are going to make an impact in the world. And when we do that, um, without any type of compensation, we want to talk about, you have gyms here in Colorado that people can come to start training, get this amazing thing. Tell us about the gyms first. Right. So look, we have Easton training centers. We have seven across the Denver area, all the way from Longmont, all the way down to Castle Rock, EastonTC.com. Go to it. I, I told you the vehicle that I used, the, 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 the people that I work the closest with are my fighters or my athletes or my students, you know? Um, and the reason being is because these people saved my life. You know, when I was going through this nine month period, I was like, okay, just make it to the school, right? If I make it to the school, then, then, okay, I'll teach. And as I taught, you know, um, people more, it was like, if you build it, they will come more people started coming, you know? And, and I think that what, and the, and the mindset shift that I had during this time was not that anybody was lucky to learn from me, the UFC fighter, the jiu-jitsu champion, you know, the yada, yada, you know, there's not like, you know, like all the shit on Google that you find about. Um, it was me that was lucky. It was me that was lucky that any dude or any lady would take an hour out of their day that they could never get back because time is the only asset they can't get more of. It, it was me that was lucky that anybody would come spend an hour and hang out. There's just so much healing in that too. You know, uh, we always are encouraging. I mean, kids today are sitting around far too much on electronics and so on and so forth. And, and so we definitely want people to look up your gym. What a great way of building self-confidence. Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe getting through some things um, that are really uh, affecting them upstairs. Here's another thing. You have a book out, Gospel of Fire. Tell us a little bit about the book. It's just my story. It's just my story growing up, what it was like for me growing up, fighting, breaking down, coming through the breakdown, right? Like a little more details, right? You get to hear particulars, more, more particulars about the story. Uh, and I, I truly believe this, that, that we are all more similar than we are different, you know? Again, we are all more similar than we are different. So, um, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for you to come on and tell this story. Um, just again, just a guy like you being vulnerable. This is going to help somebody somewhere. I know it is. I want to get together with Jake. Uh, let's get out. Get a drink sometime, man. Get a drink or a cup of coffee or have dinner. Let's I love it. I love it, man. But again, thank you so much for coming on Truth Talks, telling your story. I appreciate it. Guys, thanks, all. thanks everybody. Appreciate you all.